Jonathan Frakes turns 65 this year. Oh yeah. He will now draw social security checks. Oh yeah. He is currently shopping for a good Medicare supplement. Oh yeah. It's time for the slow march towards your own physical death. No turning back now. Hello and welcome to the Rules of Acquisition, a podcast where we will be going through every single episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the best show to feature Jonathan Frakes. <laughs> Maybe it's not the best show to feature Jonathan. No, yeah, it is because it's the best Star Trek. It's the best <laughs> Star Trek to feature Jonathan Frakes. We'll say it. You get the best, you get the classiest Frakes goatee in this episode. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure no one will disagree on that count. With me as always is James Nolan. Hey guys. And Hugh Crawford. Hello gentlemen. And my name is Wade Bowen, and yes, we are talking about an episode titled Defiant. Yes, this episode uh, originally aired on November 21st, 1994. It is the ninth episode of season three, and interesting enough, it is uh, not called The Defiant, it's just called Defiant. I think it probably has a double meaning there really really clever (laughs) yeah yeah it's so subtle too it's pretty subtle (laughs) ronald d moore folks oh yeah the imd description is as follows thomas Riker, impersonating will Riker, steals the defiant in order to fight with the mark maquis cisco hey that's spoilers right the netflix just says (laughs) william Riker shows up and everybody's like oh my god william Riker, i love him i love that cisco assists gold ducat on cardassia prime to prevent the ship from entering Cardassian territory. So um, this is a weird, weird episode for a few different reasons. I, I agree. Yeah. So so that that IMDb description just cuts right over the first act, which is all about Kira. Subterfuge. Yes. Yeah. But mm-hmm. yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. This is a incredible. This was a weird episode, and then like I had to sort of like stop and think about how I was going to talk about it on the podcast. I think like on the surface, this is a pretty fun episode just all around yeah are you i like this one a lot did y'all hate this one because no uh but it's so rife for nitpicking yes yeah it's so weird and then i was like it is okay okay i gotta take it back because i could nitpick the shit out of this episode to death (laughs) it's yeah well and it bothered me because and i think it's because i'm sitting down to watch it for a podcast really is that the best way should we do it and so you start but like but the end i wanted to step back and i go like this is kind of like, this is one I remember from before. It's kind of like a rip-roaring episode with, like, big consequences. I, I don't know. I feel like... Yeah, yeah. It's like shit is, like, stakes are high. And well, it has a lot of... It has some stuff in it that I hate. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh Number one being the Maquis. It does. I don't the Maquis. I think the Maquis is, is one of my least favorite Star Trek things ever. I don't like the Maquis, and I don't like the uh, alternate crossover episodes and i like both of those things right so i don't like the maki and this is just full of <laughs> this is just maki to the max to the max and but it does it's counterbalanced with things that i do like i like gold mm. ducat i like the cardassia prime stuff i like cisco and gold ducat i like kira uh bringing out her not her terrorism knowledge <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's how do you feel about jonathan frakes I, yeah, I I don't am, know if we've ever discussed this in a not comical way. Like, what are your thoughts okay. on, on Jonathan Franks and Riker? Let's first off, let's get to the let's just get straight to the elephant in the room. 
the mutton chops. <laughs> the, removable, the removable mutton chops. Which is the biggest crime oh, in the oh, episode. Oh, that's okay. Is it its biggest crime or its bi- biggest it's, asset? I can't tell. <laughs> yeah, what's wrong with the mutton chops? No, they, okay. You know, it's like an inside joke to fucking TNG even, I'm guessing. Well, okay, because he's got a goatee because he's evil, I guess. Yeah. But like, but one of the know, things that I... You know, he had those mutt fake chops when they were shooting. He didn't get those for this episode. He had those through the next generation too. Some of them. Like what do you mean? What? He didn't always have a full some of some some of the times when Jonathan Frakes had a full beard as William Riker, he had the fake mutton chops on. He didn't always have a full beard when they were shooting. Because he wanted to sport in his free time a, a porn goatee. Yep. It was it was the nineties, man. Because he wanted Peter North's <laughs> goatee. Like he had to like wear It was the nineties. Everybody had um Peter North that got got him he didn't start didn't, the trend. Why did then why did Rick Berman just let him have a goatee? Continuity. Like why like just look Actually I don't know that he had the fake sideburns, but I wanna say that he did. Some some of our callers I'm sure know, but I feel like I've seen so, reference to the <laughs> fake chops. Okay. So you could have just been imagining shit for the last five minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. I just wouldn't. Well, I don't know. You were saying that the actor was wanted in his free time. Right. Jonathan Frakes wanted a goatee, but this character Will Riker had to have a full beard. So when he would go in every morning, they would put fake mutton chops. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Spirit gum. Yeah. (laughs) They did because you can't have a goatee in Star Trek unless you're evil. Oh, I see your I, point. Uh, I see your point. Oh, because it's like, like we can't have him with a goatee. He's not even. Yeah, that, I, I see what you're. I see what you're saying. Okay, the, so, it okay. telegraphs. It telegraphs like bizarro evil stuff because of what they've yeah, established yeah. in the original series. But the yeah. internal listeners the in- call in the number and let and and tell me if I'm full of shit or not because okay, I want to say he he did not have that. The mutton chops were not a device created for this episode of Deep Space Nine. They're a thing that were going on behind okay, the scenes. Okay, so wait a minute. So Jonathan Frakes has a mannequin with with the mutton, like where he keeps those exact same mutton chops resting in his <laughs> yes, dressing <that's>, room. <laughs> <laughs> like and, he, and he had to go to the Paramount Studios and break the mutton chops out of storage just for this appearance on this episode, probably. <laughs> well, uh, studio, yeah, but I'm sure. he 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 had to go. He had to go to like a storage locker on Paramount Studios and to, like open it up and say hello, old friend, to the mutton chops. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought I'd see you again, but here we are. Because okay, so I know they wanted to have the reveal where Thomas Riker has different facial hair. I'm totally, I get that. That makes total sense to me, and no, it would have made. No. It makes sense to me, like from a like a '90s TV writer, TV planner's perspective. That that makes sense. But what you do is you have that woman who is clearly like fawning over him. Like you have that woman like come to his private quarters on the Defiant while he just shaved. You don't have him pull off big goofy fake mutton chops. Yeah, that's. It, I'm telling you, it's an inside if joke. If it's an inside joke, then it gets a point. Like, yeah. <laughs> like it gets one point too removed. Here's the thing: if you're genetically identical to Tom to Will Riker, mm-hmm. right, in every single way, are you really worried about a change in facial hair blowing your cover on Deep Space Nine to a people a bunch of people <laughs> you've only met once? I think he, it's I, a little bit ridiculous. Oh, like like Will? They everybody just yeah. walks up and goes, "Will, you're you got a goatee? Yeah, you well, must be an evil doppelganger." <laughs> right. It's it's absurd to me that the Maquis. He really isn't a terrorist because a terrorist would know not to like work like stress about those details. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. If Kara was running that outfit, he'd be she'd be like, "Don't worry about the freaking 
spirit gum and mud chops. We have to plan this out, you know. Right. You're focused on the on the disguise. And it's not like Tom Riker ever had the goatee before. I went back and I rewatched that Next Generation episode. He's got the Riker beard. You're a good man, Wade. You're a, yes. <laughs> and thorough. <laughs> thorough. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, <laughs> I need to take a minute for that uh, reference. When you get Hugh that good, it's always that. <laughs> uh, so, I, can we talk about the sexual chemistry between William Riker and Kira? I want to do a whole unpacking of the first scene sexual issues with that, uh, with everything that deals with Kira specifically. In that. Yes. Okay. Yeah, me too. Okay, so let's start there. Yes. Because it's okay, it starts off. She's overworked. There's by six Bizelian transports coming in. She didn't read last night's report. The Federation wants a computer calibration subroutine report coming in. And she's like, What? Oh, which, shit. Which, and, so late, by the way, sounds like fucking like I had all kinds of like just all kinds of nitpicky shit with this episode. Like, why is she having to do a report for the Federation when she's not a member of the Federation? Why the fuck is she having to do a computer report for the Federation when that's Miles's job? I didn't understand either one of those things, but she's her her job is filing evaluation reports. Yes. That's what her that's all she does, apparently. Mm. That's her big duty that we've heard throughout most of the series is it's her TPS report. Hey Kira yeah, she's got she's got TPS reports out the ass, and it's it's a it's really it's really rough on her. So so Bashir comes with her with what sounds like a totally reasonable fucking thing, and then she shouts him down. Yeah, and then he ba- he's got to get supplies from Vulcan to Campor three, yes. yeah. and he basically summons like special medical powers that we didn't know, like my secret medical. Oh no, like secret like no. That's always been a case. That's going back to the original series. Yeah. The and chief like, medical officer. He basically sent her home and said, take two dicks and call me in the morning. He made her go to a house. With- yeah. <laughs> that's that's not like they made that up for this episode. They, they've got, I know. You've I got know. like Bones doing that to yeah, Kirk. Yeah, I know. And, and, that's, and that's happened in TNG. And can that happen in, the, in, the, in real naval organizations? No. Where, where, no. where a ship's doctor Yeah, I think can't. so. Really like, the Are ship's you- doctor can, well, in, in Star Trek naval... It's definitely that the ship's doctor. I, I want to know in real life: can a can a ship's doctor oh, relieve know. an officer, commanding officer, of their duty Wait, if they're I think medically? Wait, is right in real life. They did because Bones had a sassy relationship with Kirk, and that's totally you're right. That's in that's embedded in there. But no, a doctor cannot sideline an active commander in the middle of like. They happened to it happened to Picard. I'm saying in Star Trek world, you're right. I'm saying in like doc, real world. She's like, you got to go to Ryza and fuck Vesh the same well, I'm talking about the real world. I'm saying I'm, a doctor oh. couldn't have went to General LeMay and told him to go go take shore leave. And nobody can tell me not that I can't make you do that. Right. No, that's probably true. Really? But you, a doctor could. I, I really, I'd really like somebody to tell us about that because. I, yeah. I think a doctor can say you're unfit for duty. You're exhausted. Yeah, but that has you, to go with. I have to relieve you. I mean, yeah. I mean, there are certain things you but can't. I don't think... You can't relieve like in the navy a ship's doctor. But by the way, she didn't have a medical issue. He basically said she needed a night off and a dildo. That was essentially he sent her to a hollow suite. Yeah, but that that's Star Trek for you, man. That's like, I know, I know. <laughs> that's not like out of the ordinary for Star Trek at all. I know. It's just funny. And he gives her some Carvino juice, a Lorvin crackers. A hollow sweet, a jum jaw stick, which is a penis, uh, and gambling tokens. Yes. Because I that jum jaw stick looks a little bit different than the other ones, maybe. Uh, 
but it even looks even more like a turtle penis. I had no, it looks like a rat penis chocolate candy thing that I was given one time. Um, I was playing D and D with a guy, and his wife had this stuff from China that they brought back, and they gave me a rat penis. I tasted it. It was, it was nasty as hell. It had a bone in it. Wow! And it looked just like that jump jaw stick, except it was on a stick. So <laughs> should we just call the podcast now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have eaten. I ate a rat penis one time, and it looked just like a jump jaw stick, except it wasn't on a stick. <laughs> I actually kind of nibbled at it, and I was like, "This is gross!" And there's bones falling apart in it. It was nasty. But my, but my whole thing with with him, him relieving her of duty and telling her to go to the hollow suite, which we all know what that means, is that it wouldn't be a problem if it wasn't coming from the biggest creep on Deep Space Nine. <laughs> I don't know. I thought that was like one of the better like. Bashir scenes that we've seen so far. It is about okay. Him being okay, okay. It's assertive and a doc. I mean, it's I guess none of these things are none of these things doctor. are particularly problematic. So no, uh, I'm not. My 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 critique is like a, a more different thing. So they're setting up a tone that is saying cleverly and without ever putting it into words that Kira needs to get laid, right? Yeah. And then right and at then the Riker apex comes of up. that, you enter in Will Riker, who is like smooth as honey and has given the, her the full Will Riker. Oh, yeah. He, he, his first line is like, I hope you have room for the unexpected. <laughs> I hope you've got room for the unexpected. Yeah, yeah. Cue the shitty music. Because <laughs> I went back and I watched the Next Generation episode with Tom Riker, and you know what? I almost, I got to the cold open where they revealed the clone or the transporter clone. Mm -hmm. And then they got to the theme song and I was like, oh, let me skip ahead. And I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. This song, I am going to listen to it because it's fucking awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and then I was like, oh my God, the score to, you know, the next generation Star Trek theme song is great. So she gets Riker. So she gets Riker. Sorry. And then she. (laughs) Sorry, sidebar over. (laughs) Your love of the. DS9 theme song sucks. It is the worst of all of the. No, it's the second worst of all of these stars. Yeah, like, whoa. You would be completely wrong (laughs) in saying this story. Some people love it. Some of our listeners may love it. Some people love Enterprise's theme song, too. No, they don't. No, they don't. (laughs) No, I, I. Call in, people. There's one guy. Call, There's call one in, guy. asshole. I know one asshole out there. Call in. Okay. Um, okay. So, so the next time we see her after the long intro, you then get, which is two and a half minutes long because I downloaded it the other day. So and then when it comes in, she might as well have come into the ops singing like I'm walking on sunshine. She's all like happy and giving people like finger guns and everything. And everybody's like, <laughs> like, and yeah, Dax is like, what's, what's going, going on? on with you? And she's like, oh, Will. She calls him Will. It was like, Will. who's who's in the office? Like, they are Will Riker. They are. Dax, they are giving every indication. Dax is like, that got fucks. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> they are. They are giving every indication that she was sitting on his face last night, and that's like, and, and no, they, no, yes, she they, wasn't. They no, clearly state they that she state wasn't. They, they, that's what and my point is. But everything else. In the maison scene of that is saying that she got Rikered last night. But then when <laughs> the they, I feel like that they had to give it a line because they remembered about Nipples Robot. And so they had to like, oh, oh no, she's not fucking around on the guy that they want us to like. Yeah. Yeah. And You're probably right. Yeah, You're well, that, right, that, to me, that just screams how bad the chemistry between yeah. her and Robot Varel. Yeah, I don't think she has chemistry with Riker. I don't. I thought she did. Well, I was not. I, all those scenes. Felt I was sold weird. because Q, of Q. Jonathan Frakes. Riker's got chemistry with himself. People just get sucked up into it. <laughs> <laughs> he was great. I thought he has. You think? No. 
you think he's like the weakest link in TNG? That, there, don't that, you? I think the I don't know. Actually, watching him on this, and he was spouting some techno babble of the third act. I'm like, oh, this this comes so naturally to him. Yes, he, yeah, I, yeah. I kind of forget how how great he is. I think he's he's the Wolverine of TNG okay. to, for me. He's overrated. You don't want him. You don't want him a lot. You don't want him a lot. Right. But you give him a little bit. And he's the best. And he's the best at what he does. Yeah. yeah. Like, Actually, like I went the, uh, what is it, second appearance, or I forgot the name of the episode. I watched it this afternoon. It starts off, the cold open in that one is just a big trumpet scene. It's just him playing trumpet with the jazz trio. It's like, it's just like oh my gosh. Excuse me, trombone. Yeah, trombone, sorry, sorry, trombone. Thank more you. Sexier, more sexier, need. I didn't need anyone calling in for that. No, but it was, you call in for anything a, else, but don't tell me trade the trombone. Yeah, and it's, a, it's, a more, it's a more erotic horn. Mm. <laughs> yes. So that's what I think. And then, so at no point did it not seal the deal that they had done it. But then they go, oh, no, I didn't. We just talked. We just talked, Kira. I didn't fuck him. So I don't really yeah, I don't really know what the good, point. I guess it, that she fell in love with him or she, she was smitten with him. Yeah. The, the point is that robot virile sucks. And yeah. I was like, every romance is better than the ones they give I guess you. you're supposed to think know. that she went home back to her like back to her apartment and fired up the Hitachi magic wand. <laughs> uh, I believe that's probably what happened. Okay, okay. Yeah, next time she was with Burial, <laughs> she she called out uh, uh, Riker. <laughs> Moving on to how great the, some of the high points of the episode, the Ducat-Cisco stuff. Can we talk about that for a little bit? I think. Oh, my God. Oh, that was great. I think... It's sort of weird because every once in a while they'll throw a Ducat episode where they show him in a favorable light mm-hmm. as like a decent – here he's like a father who's bemoaning oh, yeah. how his son will remember this day, his 11th birthday. His son's 11th birthday. He wanted to go to the amusement center at Lacarian City. And it's not a loaded – And the cats in the cradle starts playing in the background. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I never had the time. I told him – this year will be different, me call. My son turned ten just the other day. He said, this year I will make it's the not, time. It's not like a loaded, premeditated story, it doesn't seem. Uh-huh. You know, where like everything with Ducat seems like a chess move, like a premeditated mm-hmm. chess move. And then this is like a one candid moment where he tells us, the audience, and Cisco what's on his mind. And it turns out it's his son and how he'll view this day. And I, it's, it's an odd thing that they do with him and i think that it worked really well in this particular instance yeah because cisco like when cisco is like oh you have an 11 year old son let's bond and his eye cisco gets almost avery Berkey. oh let's talk about good children or whatever and i don't mean that in a weird way just yeah i got you (laughs) never mind (laughs) he's like oh okay and then oh and then maybe one day they'll forgive us you know when they see that we were doing the right thing and ducats i don't know it just sets up human societies and then Cardassians and it was um like so the, what I liked about it is that this episode because the Riker stuff is just window dressing. Like once you get in, you're like, oh, this is the meal. Like them in that calm room, yes. like the Cardassian war room. Mm-hmm. That was the meal of the episode. Right. And one of the great things about it is that it's one of the last couple of episodes where they've really went out of their way to emasculate Ducat in front of his own society. Right. 
and that is yeah. and that so you dress him down. Yeah, he was a dress dressed down. Yeah, yeah. And so when when later on, like yeah, if he was Karina's to ever observer from, if he was to ever like re like triumphant, you know, it was it, you you get this from this more vulnerable spot. Because last time we saw him, he tried to take over the station. He he tried to like forever. Yeah, he oh, did, yeah. and then he got mocked for for genuflecting in front of to, uh, Kira. And so, right. like, yeah, so there is. Stop trying to sh- stop trying to show Kira how big your big yeah. how big your bick is. Yes. <laughs> so they do that sort of uh, yeah, a little dyslexic. They do that sort of juggling between the two, and it it's really satisfying. Yeah, it's a really interesting yeah. way to develop a character over time. Yeah, just because yeah, that whole like oh maybe they'll understand when they're older, and he's like no no. What my son will understand, what me core is that a Federation officer. On a Federation ship invaded his home. And kept his father away. On his 11th birthday. And he won't look back with understanding. He's going to look back with hatred. And that's sad. Oh, man. It it shows just a nuance, Ducat, that maybe we don't, you know, like, he wants the same things Benjamin does in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. He, he wants to avoid a war. He wants what's best for his kids. But there's just going to be hate involved. <laughs> Like, yeah, and this is like like the key thing from this, like in the great long story of Deep Space Nine, why you have to keep this episode on your list is because that's when you start to real. That's when it becomes clear. It becomes like not just tacit, but like you know the like text that the Cardassian people are actively trying to sideline Dukat to provoke a war. The Obsidian Order, specifically, specifically, yeah. In this instance, but then that's gonna. I mean, but that. They're doing a very thorough plot, and so that he is a he's a vulnerable man in the in right. the eyes. In yeah, the but this order. is like so not specifically aimed at him. It's just at the central command. Even the Obsidian Order has its own games running behind. Sure, it. sure. But Seems. I mean, he's that. Yeah, you're right. But it's the face of Dukat, and that there's so much that's being like sort of like the face mm-hmm. of the military arm is Dukat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how you're right that that is so that there is this thing going on. Yeah, and that the smart play for anyone. And Cisco picks up on it is to like protect Dukat because you don't want to have to deal with those guys. Yeah. And there's just so much shade being thrown around by everybody, like mm-hmm. in the, the spy scenes. Yes. Like, it's like Karinas comes in and she's like, uh, lock down this computer and, uh, and anything below level four clearance, lock that down. Uh-huh. And then, uh, she's like, oh, I'm sorry. And he's like, oh, and then Cisco is like, oh, yeah, I would have done the same thing. I would have been a little bit more discreet about it. <laughs> Yeah, he uh, and then she throwing shade at Dukat later on. We're like, I'm so glad we had you here, Cisco, to catch that mm-hmm. instead of this asshole over here. And it's like, so something that come. I know we've talked hours and hours on this podcast about how they yeah. treated how the show is treated Cisco. And something I didn't realize until this time is that the third season, what marks we talked about it about the transition in the third scene uh, sequence. But what didn't really put it to me before is that I wonder if it got, I'm just asking this question, if it got in the writers and Michael Piller and Rick Berman's mind, that if you're going to handle a angry-looking black man to be your captain, then you have to work really hard to make him nice. Mm. And so the biggest problem over the first two seasons is it seems like that they spend a lot of time making Cisco seem nice and not badass or good at his job. And so this is the first time that you're seeing a Cisco who's effortlessly nice, but also just kind of great at his job. Mm-hmm. And that, and not in a because everybody's telling us and because the plot falls into his lap, but because you actually get to see sort of the tools of his, his, his intellectual sort of abilities. Right. You see him 
negotiate. You see him make decisions, mm-hmm. compromises. Like at first, where he's just like, "Okay, well, fine, take me to Cardassia." Mm-hmm. None of us want a war, and the the way, just like the political thing where they set up. Well, he took the defiant because Thomas Riker shoots Kira and runs off with Kalita and Tamal. Yeah, and and so they're like, "Well, Dukat's like, oh, what do I care?" And they're like, "No, he took the defiant. He's a Maquis." And Dukat's like, "Oh." fuck because yeah. <laughs> what's going to happen is they're going to bring a fleet in and you're going to bring a fleet in because we're not going to because we're not going to buy your oh it's a transporter clone and we fucked up i'm sorry help us it's got to be a joint endeavor it's like no central command's not buying that shit so we're going to have two fleets shit's going to go ha- wrong in the demilitarized zone somebody's going to make a mistake and we're going to have a war and you know nobody wants that and then cisco's like well fine just take me with you. I know the Defiant. And we've talked on this podcast. We argued about <laughs> the Defiant's origins and everything at, at some point. Mm-hmm. And we finally clear up, yeah, the reason that Cisco knows all about the Defiant is because he was running the shipyard where they built it, assuming in his time between Wolf 359 and Yeah, I was like, did that scan right? Deep Space Nine. That's what I was wondering, like. Okay, can I invite you guys to Angry Nerd Corner just for one second? <laughs> well, I, I'll mosey over. Yeah, come on and have a nice, comfortable seat. Grab a drink because I think we're about to get angry and nerdy. Um, I have a quick question. The first episode of this season that Cisco brings the Defiant into the picture, at no point does he say that he personally helped design it, nope. right? Nope. So this is – this is He hints at it. But they retconned that into this, right? I don't think they. I don't. I don't think there's any clear, definite retcons because there's. Well, he says explicitly, "I helped design that ship. I was in yeah. charge of the shipyard." Uh, right. So, but I'm there's nothing to... in when he says when he goes back and when he pulls up with the Defiant in episode one of this season, he never says he didn't help design. Well, it. I guess he yes. says that he knew about it. Right, and but we was, don't know it's how a he deeply knew about flawed, it. It's a deeply flawed ship <laughs> I, I, that doesn't work, and that's why they just let him ha- have a commander of a shitty space station have just have it because they weren't going to use it. He anyway. does basically say in the first episode, they're like, "Well, why did they why did they give it to you?" And he goes, "Oh, because it's a piece of shit." Yeah, that's my point. That's <laughs> so my like, point. It showed no real pride in it, right? And so it's a weird that here he's just like all of a sudden he blurts out, "But it's mine. I helped." You know, it's you can it that weird. You can say that maybe he's lying. I don't. I think it it all scanned pretty clearly to me. Okay, it's like okay, Wolf three knife, Wolf three five nine happens. His wife dies. He's fucked about up about it. They put him. Okay, you can run the shipyard. They're running the shipyard. Also, he had direct contact with the Borg, so they probably took his input in developing. Mm-hmm. You know, people that came, survived Wolf 359, they probably had input into the de- construction of this. And so he was on the shipyard, so he knew something about it. Then the Borg threat is over, so it, they kind of, you know, bend it and forget about it. And then he's going off, and then this the minion happens, and then he's like, oh, let me go grab that piece of shit out of the garage when he's back at debriefing. I don't know. It all... That, it all scanned for me. All right. Well, I could. I think there's some wiggle room because his story was a little shaky to begin with when he showed up with the thing. Um, mm. It's one of those things that files it under a. It's weird you didn't mention this before. Yes, that's my. That's, that's what. It, that's what it's more like. It's more that it's weird that you didn't mention it before. Yeah. Well. Th- so it, when he brings it up, it kind of it's more of alarming than 
than to me than anything. And I was more alarmed because my question in the first episode was more like, how did he know about it? Mm-hmm. It doesn't depend. And then it's like, oh, well, and then it makes sense to me now. So I this didn't really raise any bells for me. It more cleared things up. But All that's, right. that's just me. Also, well, you're, you're right. And I'll, I mean, uh, yeah, no, I'll say that. I'll pocket that because I think it's 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 kind of a spoiler. One of the things I was going to. But um, my angry nerd, while we're in angry nerd corner, two things. If O'Brien, no, 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 no. <laughs> if a transporter accident can dupe a man, a if that man is one of your higher higher level officers in the entire Starfleet, mm-hmm. and the other guy is going to be a grunt on another ship, the Gandhi, the Gandhi. Why don't you mark his and DNA codes are how they get you into overpowered badass ships. Why don't they somehow find a different way? Like, why didn't they flag the DNA scan on Riker's thing and he had to do a more complicated bit, bit of business to get into his ship? Like he has to put it in his ATM pin. Yes. Or his iTunes. Yeah. His iTunes you, iCloud. You make yeah. a good point. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's okay. Uh, that's the I, first part. And, and I, I'm sorry. And I even know how they should have done it because I watched the episode where he came about. Uh-huh. It, it is hard to create a transporter clone like that. It's all because there's interference with the place where he was stuck for eight years. But brain scans are different. So that's ah, how I could do that. Okay. So they, okay. Because his brain scans was different. It was same as it was at, after, at that eight year when he got split from the other Riker. Uh, but, but then eight years of living different lives changes your brain environmental. scan. And it's environmental. Okay. Like and it's like a fingerprint. Yes. Sorry. So that was the Go first ahead. one. And then a second one is, is that if it happened once... You can rig it to do it again. Like, so why, like, I just know that if we could do this in, in this world, if we could dupe a man, we would be duping the shit out of people and making armies and shit. It'd be just like, it's, <laughs> you know, everybody'd be like little uh, Boba Fett dads. Like, they would have... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, see, that's the thing, is that, what, what, that should have been a plot of a Star Trek movie where it's like... Uh, like the Romulans mm-hmm. steal like a hard drive full of like, <laughs> it's like um, uh, transport. Well, if I could get information, um, that's all full, uh, comic book nerd. <laughs> well, actually, <laughs> uh, the, in the episode s- s- second appearance or whatever the hell it was called, they do point out how hard it is to create the second transporter. Yeah, clone. But if you're trying though, to do it, though, they could have figured it out though. Also, because I did some research into Tom Riker, and actually, in what in one of the novels, the Romulans, I believe, or somebody kidnapped <laughs> uh, Thomas Riker and then tried to tried to <laughs> duplicate the thing to create an army of transporter clones, but they weren't able to do it. And it's an apocryphal book and non-canon, obviously. Mm-hmm. And they also decided that. He must have been from an, an alternate dimension because oh. it didn't work right. Also, the Romulans but did make a... There's your nerd corner for you. That's true, but the Romulans did make a Tom Hardy out of oh. John Luke Picard once. So like they have cloning procedures. Oh, oh right. So, yeah. oh, I, was, well, could, I mean, Julian can... Julian can oh, yeah, they had cloning already. We've already done this on this episode on the show. Yeah, but those were... Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah they, you're right. Well, I forgot yeah. about that. But he was so, not a. I mean, cloning t- technology exists in this world. It's just easier to make a cut, like cut and paste copy from a. Oh, actually, they do bring that up in the TNG episode as well, because they ask when they when they find Tom Riker, they're like, "Well, is he a clone?" It's like, "Well, there's no, um, there's no um, genetic drift, which is a thing that happens when you clone genetically." So they did their due diligence in that TNG episode. There's no 
And uh, mm, if you're cloning yeah. like the what Bashir grew in the also the person that wakes up is like a like a newborn babe, right? Like Thomas Riker had all of Will Riker's life memories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. He had his hard drive. Yeah, he had his hard drive until until they separated. So oh, they were the the same. So you can train. Yeah, yeah and yeah, yeah. So you can train. And his training. That's why he's so valuable to the Maquis. Yeah, yeah. He was only a lieutenant then, though. But still, he had that Starfleet. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and that's why Kira mm-hmm. dresses him down. That's why Kira dresses him down later in the episode. And we can kind of—that's a good segue into that, really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where Kira dresses him down because she knows that if you're a terrorist, you mm. like you take what you can get, what you can get it. You don't, yeah. you don't take <laughs> unnecessary risks, and you're you don't you know be choosy about what you who you kill. Right. Yeah. And actually, that was it's, one of my favorite parts about this episode. Because I'm always saying that her background as a resistance fighter should be coming up more often. Yeah. It's like a t- permanent trauma that she should always carry with her because that's how that works. Mm-hmm. And here she is worried about spreadsheets. You're all about politics when if you're a terrorist, you'd be about hurting Cardassians. That and, the, and that he's trying to work through your personal shit. It yeah. doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah. and terrorists... Yeah. Terrorists don't get to be heroes. Yeah, ter- I mean, if, like you're trying to like do this to make your mommy love you, and then he's like, "We'll see." You're, you're trying to do this to like imprint on the world that you were different than Will Riker. Like terrorists don't have the luxury of having those kind of goals. They're very objective oriented, and you got as much as you could do, and then yeah, yeah. Just ask the Viet Cong. Just ask the Viet. Ho Chi Man would always say, "Oh, don't, don't, don't try to prove your clone existence." And if you're a former member of the Viet Cong, be sure to leave a voicemail <laughs> and, and let us know your thoughts on this episode. And that whole like her condemnation of him and everything was great, but in the end, he was doing the better thing. He, well, I mean, that's his whole point. Like, you don't get to be a hero. Terrorists don't get to be a hero. And he's like, "We'll see." And then like, he kind of does because he reveals the Obsidian Order's plot yeah. by giving over the stuff to Dukat. Yeah, and he also, I mean, it, it's so he is a bad terrorist. Yeah, but that's good thing. Hey, I'm not, I'm not pro terrorist. So <laughs> kudos for him for being a bad. Hey, hey, buddy, when we're leading the anti-Trump terrorist cell, <laughs> you're gonna want <laughs> in, like, buddy. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, no. Well, thanks know, for I'm... just getting us flagged on the NSA. <laughs> by the time this thing goes up. Thanks, James. <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot. I'm just, uh, hey, I'm just thinking about again, the clicks, the man. Jam- yeah. The opinions of James Nolan do I'm not just reflect thinking the- about the clicks. We need the, we need the clicks. Uh, we need the downloads. But yeah, so I, I, I don't hate the Maki, and I think that the problem with the Maki is that they sort of have a point. But I, I like watching people put good energy into dumb things, and I think that that's one of the. I think that's what you get to watch there is that these people feel really passionate about it even though it's obviously from a from our perspective which we're seeing it through the cisco and friends perspective it looks dumb but it's it's fun to watch people do that mm-hmm. but and, and make these sort of dumb decisions i guess that the biggest tension for me was the possibility that the defiant could could be destroyed and watching cisco manipulate every little turn to not manipulate per se um Ducat into turning on his people, but just using every little bit of emasculation, every little bit of new detail to pull Ducat further into like a little and to get in his way and getting the defiant back and getting, you know, all of those mm-hmm. sort of things that ended up happening. And then being able to sideline Will Riker, argue for his imprisonment, but not his death and just basically getting the best out of his hand. Yeah. And that was so sad. Like, that's what I haven't seen in an episode 
before. Yeah, yeah. That, so as far as with Cisco and Avery Brooks, you haven't he hasn't gotten to do that kind of stuff where you get the feeling that he gets to walk away with like a James T. Kirk like smirk, unfortunate a Kirk smirk. Uh, he gets to walk <laughs> away with that like you know a little smirk and a little, maybe they hey, did they use eyelight on him like they could have shined a little eyelight on his eyeballs just like they do him <laughs> and like, it would have felt like that like it was like a, he was that kind of smart yeah. old school leadership role that I've been crying for them to do with him yeah and it sets up some of the themes that are dealt with later on in DS9 where he when he's he's talking to Dukai it's like all right you have to sacrifice some some of your ideals like you have to su- sacrifice your cardassian justice for the pragmatic mm-hmm. solution to this yes. because okay your justice cuz all right I'll give you I'll let you take Riker but I know cardassians love to kill people in trials you, you're going to have to agree to not kill the guy <laughs> If you want the info on the defiance logs about the Araya system and all the shit that the city and orders pull in. Yeah. And so uh, all of all told, this is a good episode. Yeah. But I felt like, yeah, I love this episode. It was just like everything was like, I was letting little shit like get on my nerves. And that was like, I was like, I had to slap with stuff. I, I like this a lot. And and going back and and then it ends with a, we'll definitely see him again. <laughs> Which we totally don't. <laughs> no. Kira is like, is like she's, you know, Tom, he kisses her, and it's it's a more charismatic and more, there's more in that kiss than all the virile shit. Mm. Like, this is another. No way. I hated that kiss. I loved it. I hated it. I liked all their chemistry no, I better I was... than I did her and Robot Pope. That was, what chemistry? That was so weird. She looked like when she was like bracing for impact when he clo- like closes in on her. Okay, it looked, Kim, but I completely disagree. By chemistry, I mean Jonathan Frakes' charisma <laughs> as opposed to the nineteen seventy nine Elephant it Man. It seems to me that you I feel, wait. Okay, even if you may not like them the way you no. were, do you not think that the character Will Riker, played by Jonathan Frakes, is not a swinging dick? Like I think he's got like a like I think I mean that works. That's one of the few character traits. They they started up the next generation with that work. It this yeah maybe yeah maybe that works with some of the Troy stuff and the uh, actors that play Troy. But like the Kira and the Nana, oh, it wasn't it wasn't happening for me. It, and I felt like I I was like oh just don't kiss her. I I don't think she don't. Don't just assume that that's what she wants. That's not cool. I was cringing the whole time. You know, and in the context of the whole series and the arc and where Kira is actually supposed to be, it is pretty bad because she does, she's pretty committed to Burial and she's by all accounts in love with him. (laughs) No, it's just like by by what we've read on the page. I mean, he just basically charged at her and like he was going to a Cardassian for the rest of his life. He was just like, it seemed it smacked of weird desperation. Yeah. I, did, I did not enjoy the kids. And the other kind of weird thing about that is going back to the TNG episode, that episode for all of the Kira and Riker shipping or whatever, the original TNG episode with Tom Riker is all about him and Troy. Like that's all about Troy. It's just them. It's all about their relationship. And we've talked a lot of shit Thomas's about Thomas's relationship with like this Thomas. This Thomas. Yeah, because when he disappeared, when he got, when he was that's right. stranded, oh, they were, they were he was still oh, with Troy. Oh, so they. And then Will Riker got a commendation for the evacuation that left Tom stranded. And then that's when they broke up so he could pursue his career. 
and Tom Riker's been burning a torch for her for eight oh, years, and that's what's been keeping him going. Taken. Tom Thomas Riker was the path not yeah. taken with Deanna Troy. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Right, and and it's actually really good. Yeah, it's a good. There's some good stuff because at that point they had to unpack. Mm-hmm. They mentioned that they were a couple in the pilot. Yeah. At, at Encounter at Farpoint. Yeah. And then they don't deal with it for th- like three years at all. Yeah. First. And then like the Thomas Riker episode is like one of the few like times that they season had, six. Yeah, they address yeah. it like head on. What yeah. exactly happened? And it's pretty. And his whole kind of exit from that show, and they never get back to him on that show. <laughs> never get back to him on that show. Spoilers, <laughs> I never do on this one. Though apparently, and apparently, because I, I did some research on that, Jonathan Frakes later on, and season by season six, he was like uh, petitioning yes. uh, Ronald D. Moore to bring Tom back. Yes, yeah. But it was also on a list of pitches that the writers just do not want, did not yes. want to see at all. I was going to say that. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, the list that they sent out in season four, which is season three, so they were season four, they sent out a list to all of the freelance writers, and I guess they do this every year, about stories that they are not interested in seeing, and Thomas Riker episodes were one of them. Right. <laughs> so, uh, even though they said, and he even Iris Stephen Bear, I guess at the time, gave an interview and said that he he assumes that Riker will be back. Tom Riker will be back on the show, but yeah, no. And I, I kind of wish they did bring him back. Not me, because I'm fine. He's on a labor camp, and Kira explicitly says, "Says I'm going to free you. <laughs> we won't forget about you." And they forget about it. I think them. they wrote a book about it. Well, and that, there's a book. Oh, of course they did. There's a couple of books, and then there's I'm also sure there's ten books about that one event. And there's books about Riker's guilt over him becoming Marquis. Will Riker has guilt, and then when he learns that he sacrificed himself for Kalita and to, 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 <laughs> Tal Toenail or whatever, that he was like, "Oh, okay, I feel better." But so yeah, uh, the whole the whole Thomas Riker character, I guys, I sent you guys that article. Do you guys, you know what I'm talking about? The backstory behind the Thomas Riker character itself. I did not read that. Oh my god, did I get that? No. Yeah, there's a whole backstory. It's a holiday week. Okay. Well, what happened was is when they were making the Next Generation, they came up with the idea of the Thomas Riker character as a way to take over. Yes. For. Okay. So, so what would happen, what was testing, something wasn't testing well with the audience. The fact that you had this uh, commander who was second commander of the Enterprise and always turning down his own command. And it didn't make sense story-wise. So what they were going to do, they were going to promote Will Riker to have his own ship, have Data be the uh, first officer, and then have Thomas Riker be the lieutenant. Uh-huh. Take Data's place. And, apparently- and you, that way you keep Jonathan Frakes on the show. But he would be – Yeah, it was a way to upgrade the caliber of your first officer as a character because they felt that Data was a superior character for first officer stuff. And he was just a, hel- and he was just a helmsman. Yeah. Right. Well, they also – they were going to kill Will Riker and replace him with Lieutenant Tom. They talked about that as well. Right. So, yeah, yeah, it was like a thing that it was it, – Tom Riker was like a tool to give – Frakes less screen time. <laughs> well, he was the TNG has oh. a Frakes problem where right, and that you, was one of the things where they tried to like up. Yeah, they try to give Data more screen time by having him be because in the one. first season they're trying to make him be Kirk, the Kirk of our minds, swinging Dick Kirk, and where smart guy Kirk would be played by Patrick Stewart. But then like right. Patrick Stewart then overpowered the show, and he wanted to be the swinging Dick and the smart guy and the everything. And they just kind of went along with it because it worked. And because, you know, Patrick Stewart's awesome. Mm-hmm. So they did that. And then, like, what do you do with the bearded 
now kind of paunchy guy? Like, what do you do with that guy? <laughs> because when they hired him, he was like a young, bright-faced guy, but within a year, he looks like you'd meet him. You'd meet him after college, three years after college. You go, hey, what, what's 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 happened to you, man? Is everything okay? <laughs> and uh, and that's fine. He makes it work for him. He he owns it by the end of the show. It's like I'm working for my dad's insurance company, <laughs> yeah. man. It's cool. Well, but that's okay because I'm getting late all the time, and I, I play my trombone. I got plenty <laughs> right. of time. I got a great life here. Uh, you're like, oh, okay. I, I got a trombone. You know what, chick stick, man? Trombone. Trombone. Yeah. I'm laying the trombone. And not no synthetic trombone. I play the yeah, fucking trombone. But it, yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, that's an interesting story. And I think that Ronald D. Moore specifically wanted to tell a Thomas Riker story. So I don't know if he felt, that, maybe that Thomas Riker, maybe Ronald D. Moore pitched that story for TNG. I don't know. But, right. Yeah. Mm, I I think Rene Chavaria wrote the script. I saw that. No, no, no. Oh, for what? For the uh, TNG episode. Oh, okay, okay. Wrote this. Ronald one, yeah. D. Moore yeah. wrote this one. Yes. No, okay. Uh, maybe he wanted to like Ronald D. Moore pitched it and and then owned it. So I'm sure that they were in the you know is in the room. They he sure. maybe he wrote it even. But yeah, Rene for got reason. credit. What the fuck happened between Will Riker and O'Brien? That was a weird scene, <laughs> but then I thought about it. That w- I thought about that for like 20 minutes. Oh, that was the easy thing. It's, it's Thomas didn't want O'Brien to like figure out that he that he wasn't the real one, and O'Brien through some sort of f- friendly back and forth didn't want to get caught. Yeah, he didn't want to get caught. That was that's easy. <laughs> yeah, but the, but I, and you're totally right. <laughs> but why is why did was O'Brien just like? Oh no! Oh, I know. N- what? Nobody okay. told O'Brien that it was really Thomas Riker for like three weeks after that encounter. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. Thomas. Th- I'm sure O'Brien spent a month like just sick about what it. What the fuck did I do to what? Yeah, because he's because O'Brien is like, oh, okay. I wish he was crying when he walked out. <laughs> I would like to see little tears coming out of his. He eyes. goes back to his quarters and tears up the pictures of him and and Riker that he has. <laughs> right. Yeah, or just, just a close up to his clenched fists, like crying, like <laughs> yeah, What did I do, man? I thought we were friends. <laughs> <laughs> okay because i i looked i had to look it up because i was like did something happen on tng that i'd missed and i googled it's like i and when you start googling it it's like what happened between Riker and and, and o'brien auto completed oh, for okay. me yeah and i found like a i found like a usenet thing from like 1994 and they're just like, yeah, there's a lot of people. And then like, yeah, what the fuck? That's like one of the big questions, mysteries. Like, and they're like, no, it's just Riker was running interference and he decided to pull a big story. And then O'Brien. It was the only, it was his only real obstacle because no one really knew him, knew Will Riker, but O'Brien. Well, Dax. Dax almost caught him. Yeah. Because yeah. he goes in and he tells Cisco, I won all of Quark's Latinum and I was starting to, and I got a date with a Dabo girl. And then Cisco's like, well. My son's dating a Dabo girl, and Riker's like, "Well, well, okay, I won't, I won't go to there, do that then." And then Dax comes out, like, "I, I loaned you three strips of gold platinum last time. You're gonna lose it all again." And he's like, "Oh." And I don't remember mental. that because I was drunk. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> yeah, so it makes sense. But and it, when he gets into the Defiant, he, I'm just saying, Jonathan Frakes did a great job for me. Like, he, he's visibly nervous, and and when he sees O'Brien, yeah, it's. I, I thought he did. I thought he did a fine job. It is a fine job. And what the only I, I don't think that I like that. My problem is not how he handled it. But like part of me was like, why didn't O'Brien just say like, what the fuck's your problem? We didn't have any. We don't have any beef. What's yeah. your deal? Like, that's the natural response to that. Yeah, that <laughs> that's what I wanted. That's ex- that was what made me so question. Like he walks out and they show him walk out of the Defiant and he's like, what was that about? 
But if he just was walking out and stopped and says, like, what the fuck? <laughs> and just like goes back and or is bitching to Keiko about it. It's like, I didn't do anything to him. And what does, what's his fucking problem? Yeah. You know, or something. Yeah. It's, but he's a, He's a subordinate. He doesn't talk back to the brass, I guess. But I was wondering why he just took it and would. Yeah, yeah. I'm being on ready. Okay, uh, if nobody took a le- uh, took a peek at uh, this week's, I did not. You guys have. Uh, I didn't. Yeah. Okay, you guys want to venture a guess on on the rating? Of uh, seven point eight. I'll go. It's. it's I bet it's eight point one. I bet it gets the Riker bump. Uh, good call. It's uh, we got six six hundred and fifty two votes on this, and 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 James hit, hit it right on the head. <laughs> oh shit! It, 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 it's Uh-oh. eight point oh, but that is quite the fact that we have that many votes. Period does mean we do get the Riker bump. Yeah, and and that is unusually high. However, one of the IMDb commenters, LinkedIn rules. Gave, it wasn't plankton rules. Oh, shit. There's only one. There's only one user review for this that's written out, and it's one star, and it says "great beginning, uh, horrible ending." Uh, this, and it says it makes the case that this episode should have been a two part episode. And I kind of, I could kind I of agree, that. but I don't like like the it, the ending. I liked. Like I, I, I like the way everything came together. Yeah, I mean, you could have stretched it out, but it, I thought it did fine. <laughs> yeah, I disagree with it, but okay. Yeah, I mean, I disagree with the the not plankton rules. Um, so next week, oh my god, next week, oh my god, next week, we get Loxana, we get uh, Nipples Burial, all right, we get a lot of Keiko, we get it's a love potion episode. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh Christ, god. Christ Almighty! <laughs> and it is directed by Avery Brooks, poor fucker, because it's an awful episode. But come back, it's fun. I like the last Luxwana Troy, which is actually really. Weird for me to say because I don't like yeah her episodes all that often. But that I like I like Luxwana and Odo. You get maybe I'll be the asshole that argues with you guys next week. All right. No, no, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> Probably won't be, but we'll see. Uh, oh, also the the it, it, I, little spoiler alert: it, it tips the end of the Jake Dabo girl affair. So so there's a lot of that too. Yeah. It was directed by Avery Brooks, so that's something. All right. <laughs> no death sentence, huh? That must have taken some doing. So, give me a moment. Hello, how's it going? Hey, everybody, this is Wade. You're uh, one of three. Uh, sorry, didn't mean to get into Borg designations here. This is not that kind of podcast. This is a Deep Space Nine podcast. Nerd check. Uh, what the hell am I talking about? Anyways, normally this is the part of the show where we would take your voicemails and answer your emails, but you know what? <laughs> We're not God's people. It was a holiday weekend. Things got out of hand. Well, they didn't get out of hand. I'm not hungover or anything. Just James and Hugh have kids. They've got a lot of responsibilities. I have... Well, I had things to do, not responsibilities, but the, you know what I have? I, I got a life. I got shit going on, too. So I'm really sad to say that we didn't get around to recording any the voicemail segment for this week, um, but we did get your voicemails. Keep sending in your voicemails, please. If we don't have your voicemails, then we don't have that segment anymore. We have, well, this and... Well, maybe we could bring James and Hugh in to shut me up a little bit, but other, 
I don't know. I, I, I just don't know, folks. Oh, but I do know a few things. Yeah, so we're not just sitting on our asses here, people. We're, we've been working real hard on other stuff. Sorry we didn't get to your voicemails. We do have coming up some extra spinoff supplemental podcasts. Not even a, not even about Star Trek. What the, what the hell? But, I mean, we, we like other stuff, too. I don't know. What, what are you into, man? What are you into? Um, well, I was into Lost back in the day. Uh, we got this podcast coming up, up on Lost, I guess. Do people still care about Lost? I don't know. It was, it was kind of a big deal as far as television back in the aughts, remember? And then everybody forgot about it because the ending sucked real bad. You remember. Back when Lost was a big deal? I do. James just forgot about it and then just rewatched it recently. And Hugh had a lot of questions. So we recorded a whole little podcast where we're explaining Lost to Hugh. And I could tell you a lot more about it, but hey, why spoil the mystery and the whole puzzle of it? Ooh, remember that's what Lost is. I hate J.J. Abrams' mystery boxes. Oh, that's a whole other thing. You know what? Uh, um, maybe I should shut up about that. And remember, well, we'll do voicemails again. Yeah, okay. I, I, I promise. Uh, but yeah, anyways, like what you've got next week, we'll go ahead and we'll get you some good voicemails in. We want to hear all f- what you have to think about how great we are, what assholes we are, or what about you think about the show, our show, Star Trek, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, we'll, we'll, we'll listen to it. Um, <laughs> anyways, but yes, Go ahead and give us a call. That number again is 917-408-3898. It's a New York area code. You don't care what area code, unless you're international. In that case, you can record just a quick, some audio file and send it to us at rulesofacquisitionpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, like, uh, yep, so anyways... Hopefully you know the drill. You know that we love you. Or no, or I care deeply for what you do for us. I down, but no, I, I mean you as a person. You seem like a wonderful person. You're all lovely people. We want the assholes to call so that we can give them the business. Oh, do you hear that bell? That means I gotta go. <laughs> give us a call again at nine one seven four zero eight three eight nine eight and. Thanks again for listening. Do all the stuff that you're supposed to do with podcasts. Thanks. Bye. Um, Back to now the regular scheduled ending. We'll get you out of there, Tom. I promise you that. Um, got some bad news, Tom. Uh, Tough shit. Join us next week for what episode next week, James? Fascination. Okay, his name's Fascination. That's it for the Rules of Acquisition. Thanks for listening. Three to beam out. Do you know the cunt weasels that run this show have a call in line, where you can express your DS9 wishes and DS9 dreams into their ear holes. They will play them on air and try to be nice to you, because one day they hope to sell you Blue Apron snacks and underwear made out of Modal. The number is 917-408-3898 That number again is 917-408-3898. You will probably want to talk about how hot Dax and Bashir are, that is great. These pretentious asses also love it when people say they are wrong, so feel free to do that.
James will probably go off on a knowingly obtuse rant about construction issues or political sophistication we know you love that, again 917-408-3898. Did you know that some Deep Space Nine podcasts have more reviews than us on iTunes? Doesn't that piss you off? Please review us on iTunes. We need to feel loved sometimes.